When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ball don't lie right here. <laughs> 104 down the horn. Okay, definitely not just picking sentimental jams. No, 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 <laughs> Thought you were picking sentimental jams uh, that were going to get people in a sentimental mood about our last show on 104 down the horn. That's not the case. Patrick's trying to keep the, uh, the spirits up. Sure, uh, we kind of keep the show upbeat today, even though. Just trying to take you on a roller coaster. We're trying to get to the, the ride of emotions so we can. <laughs> We get Rod in the right mood to get him to cry later. And I know. Uh, female <laughs> listener number 17 says, Rod, when and why was the last time you cried? Just trying to figure out what we're dealing with here after all these years. Yeah, I, I, I think at the fun- I cried at a funeral. I was at a funeral last year, early, maybe earlier this year when that funeral was. And I, I cried a little. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not never. No. You I'm can't not, be like, not, yeah. I think my mom said when I was two, I cried once. Yes. I'm not, no, no, no. I'm not like that. Like, ne- no, 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 no. No. Death, real death will get yes. me. People losing their loved ones or people pass. That, of course, that gets to you, boy. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just talking about, you know, watching a movie. I'd like to have more access to these emotions. Yeah. And I don't because. Like I said, I have to go. If I have to go to, to somebody to cel- a celebration of life for somebody to cry, then you know I might have some issues. Might have some some walls up that I need help breaking down. So that's why I told people to send me some movies. Maybe I can get a good cry going. And I thought about losing co-hosts. We've had people cry on air talking about you know leaving the air and everything. And I was like, well, I would love to cry on air about that kind of stuff, but I had. 10 different co-hosts in 15 years so it happens all the time so i'm a little calloused yes to those transitions and i figured out because of you guys on the spec sex line that my co-hosts always leave me i'm the, i didn't even realize that so I started yeah, diving because deep. he won't cry they're i don't know why they're leaving <laughs> they're leaving they're all of them leaving K, bkkd left go this is actually one of the first times where the uh, i guess the divorce is arranged like they're just they're breaking us up uh, but i guess usually they end up Leaving me, yeah. When I, when I left the other place, I was doing a show solo. Yeah. So they just got rid of me. Yeah. You just no. They so, the company left you. Yeah. They got, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Patrick. <laughs> I'm always being abandoned. I've had abandonment issues, uh, but it's getting ridiculous. a good question by Phil Specs uh, text line. The Specs text line will be available next Monday. It is staying around. The, so there still will be the Specs text line, and Specs is staying with us. So thanks Shout to Specs. Out. Shout uh, out to but Specs for sticking with us, and they're keeping it in the text line staying. So yes, yeah, starting next Monday morning, the text line is still oh. operational on my show as well. We'll still have the Specs text line. So uh, so that was 
it's positive news to hear in, nice. uh, in all the stuff that is happening. That is. I, I didn't know that. That's great. That's great news, actually. I'm happy to hear that because uh, I don't want to learn a new number. Uh, all right. <laughs> so <laughs> just lazy. All right. Uh, so hit us up. Specs X line 512-337-3776. Let's get to some of this Steve Sarkeesian audio. We'll be playing it. We'll try to get to as much of it as we can. There's a, there's a, a good amount of it. But we'll start with the last piece of audio. Um, and it's it's a damn good one. Uh, it's the question in the audio piece here. It's the question in it. I don't think it is okay. in this one. Uh, well, if it's not, the question I believe was, what are your themes for the season? He was talk- asking Steve Sarkeesian what his themes were for the season. And just, well, you know what? Just listen to Coach Sark. Here it is. Well, I think one thing, and I've said it before, I think this team's on a mission. I, I, they, they've taken this mindset of, of being on a mission. They've, uh, they've kind of adopted the John Wick mentality. Uh, I know that, that uh, Quinn has touched on and, and Jordan has touched on and um, that, that they've, they've, they've really focused. And I think that's probably the thing. It's like, man, they, they want to go do this. They want to be focused on the task at hand. Um, I think that they've they've kind of assumed this mentality of embrace the embrace the hate. Like, we get it. We're the University of Texas. We get it. This is our last year in the Big Twelve. Well, we can sit there and be a punching bag, or we can go attack the people that we're going to play. And I think that they've assumed that responsibility to say, "Hey, we're going to go after everybody else too." And so, that I think that that's the right mentality to have. All right. So. Sark's the one mentioning it after Quinn mentioned it. I don't know who came up with it first, but we do have the Quinn audio. I mean, this is at Big 12 Media Days when Quinn Ewers was asked about the target on Texas's. Well, I don't know if it's on their back. It's everywhere right? uh, because they're last year in the Big 12 and the expectations are really high for Texas football. Here's what Quinn Ewers said at Big 12 Media Days. I mean, I think there's always a target on our back, but I kind of there's also a target on the opponents that we're playing. We, we put a target on them. Um, it's kind of like uh, John Wick. You know, he's being hunted, but at the same time, he's hunting those guys as well. And you know, Patrick, I was trying to watch the John Wick 4 uh, movie like a couple of weeks ago, yeah, yeah. right before Harsh left. I did watch it when uh, Wifey went out of town. I did watch it, and I watched. I made sure that I watched all four. I wanted to watch them all in a row, so I did that. I had the time to do that. It was awesome. Uh, ultimate guy weekend. I did not cry. Watching any of those. <laughs> it was just celebratory, you know, just, oh, yeah, get him, John. Um, but then watch them and watch John Wick 4. It was pretty damn good. I'll throw that out in, there. In four movies, how many times should he have actually died? Oh, whew. I mean, maybe a hundred. Okay. We might be in triple digits. Might be in triple digits. Now. Yeah, I'm but like, we, and that would be fatal. Yeah, that would be fatal. We suspend disbelief. I mean, there are suits. No, I get it. I, and it's he wears always, a lot of body armor because I think they use a lot of you know. No, it's it's a Home Alone principle now. But, it's when you watch Home Alone and you go, Wait, they kill he kills him like seventeen times in this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, you got to suspend disbelief. You yes. to enjoy it. Uh, but I did say after I heard that initial uh, audio from Quinn at the time that. This could end up being the unofficial mascot for Texas football this season because John Wick, you know, even though, you know, he's he, he he's all about for those who haven't seen the movie, and I won't spoil it for you, I'm not gonna spoil anything, all right? But he tries to give up the life. That's it's as vague as I can get. He tries to give up the life. And then people keep drawing him back into the life. He doesn't want that life. So I'm not gonna spoil too much. If you haven't seen it, I would recommend it. It's a great guy movie. Um, and the reason that it does fit for Texas 
is because <laughs> it's been a while for him. He takes a break. He takes, you know, a, 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 he takes a, you know, kind of a respite from his activities and everybody wants him to come back. All right. They keep asking him in the movies, you know, is he coming back? Uh, and for Texas, that is also the question. <laughs> when is Texas coming back? When is Texas back? Remember Sam Ellinger told us that Texas was back and they were not back. That was not real. I, lo- I love Sam. Sam's the man. Lifetime, legendary lifetime Longhorn Sam Ellinger. But no, Texas was not back. That was just, that was a fugazi, a fugazi, a wazi, a woozy. But if Texas is indeed going to have John Wick as the unofficial mascot this season, then they would answer the question whether they are, like John Wick, whether they're back. People keep asking if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. So maybe Quinn, Quinn Wick, is thinking Texas is back. If they win the Big 12, a lot of people will be saying that. They're picked to win the Big 12. Expectations are higher than they've been since 2009. The last time the standard and the expectations were both equally high at Texas. Last time they were picked to win the Big 12 by the media. So, I mean, to, to me, that for Texas, that's the kind of mentality they do need to have. I hope they have it. This is all nice to talk about. And, yes, I do need the graphics and imaging uh, media department over there at Texas. We need this on the Jumbotron. We need some John Wick references. Y'all guys are very creative. Go ahead. Buy some rights to it. Get it done on the Jumbotron. Put together a nice video package. Get the fans pumped up. Put Quinn, Quinn Ewer's head on John Wick's body and have him doing cool stuff. Whatever you want to do. Probably don't want to have the killing and all that stuff. That's not good. Just other scenes, though. Yeah, not and, the killing I mean, scenes. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey, if you want to bring Keanu Reeves to a game. That would be great. Bring him on down. That would be good. We Actually, having John Wick and DQR would be really cool. We can make that happen. Yep, no doubt about it. So, I do like it. It's obviously this is something that the team is sharing, that they got this mentality. All right. John Wick, he hadn't been killed in four movies. Should have been killed a lot. Will that be Texas this year? Even though there are some games where it looks like they're going to lose and maybe they should lose, they find a way to win, find a way to stay alive. That's John Wick. He finds a way to win. He finds a way to win. All right? All right, let's get into some of this other uh, Sark side. I guess we can kind of hit the opening statement where he, he jumps right into it and we can start talking about this team and this season. Remember, they hit the practice field officially tomorrow. Um, but the uh, the opening statement from Steve Sarkeesian today from his training camp press conference. Uh, here is Steve Sarkeesian, head coach. All righty. Well, welcome back to everybody. Um, you know, this is an exciting time, I think, for all of us. You know, and there's nothing like the start of football season. Um, kind of the the just the atmosphere, the temperature of what's going on around the country. I think everybody looks forward to this time of the year, especially coming out of the lull uh, from the sporting world in July. And so getting, getting ready for football season is exciting. Uh, clearly, we are, we're excited about our team. Um, I think that uh, as we went through the off-season program of winter conditioning, spring practice, our summer training, uh, I think that our team has, has built a culture that we're excited about. Um, you know, clearly we, we like the talent on our team, um, but when you start putting that together with staff continuity, the veteran players on our roster, and then the, the influx of the newcomers, uh, we've, uh, we, we've 
we've built something here that we're excited about. And, uh, you, know, you know, ultimately we have to go out and play, and that's what's going to define us is by the way we play and the way we perform. Um, but I think we're, 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 we've set the stage for us to go out and have a really good training camp. We've got a lot of players that need to improve. We need to improve, you know, holistically as a team on offense, defense, and special teams. And to do that, individual players have to, have to improve along the way, and that's what training camp is for. Uh, we are definitely not a finished product before it starts. Um, so that, there's a lot of work to be done. But to get ourselves to this stage with a football team that is uh, healthy to practice, uh, you know, every guy in the roster will be available to practice that first day, um, which is good. Um, and there's definitely a lot of excitement. I mean, I, I think that when you look at, you know, the season ticket sales in June and being sold out in June, over 68,000 season tickets, I know our student tickets are uh, on a record pace right now of, of what's to be sold. So I think there's a lot of excitement in the air uh, amongst the program. I know DKR is going to be rocking every Saturday, and we're looking forward to that Labor Day weekend. So um, a lot to be fired up about, uh, a lot of really good players coming back, a great staff coming back. Uh, like I said, a lot of influx of, of new players that can help this team uh, be even better. And, and then now it's time to put in the work. Uh, yeah, so let's start uh, the opening statement from uh, the press conference this morning. Uh, what I like about Sark this year, though, is that he is embracing the high expectations. He knows there is no way around the Met Texas. Might as well embrace it, um, make it a part of your culture because <laughs> you can't avoid it and you don't want the guys to be, you don't want them to be surprised by it and you don't want them to be afraid of it or you know you don't you don't want them to cower uh in the face of it because in texas you, if you're if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing recruiting at a high level um and sarks he's good with the right now with the culture and the continuity and the talent development he seems to have everything right now going at least a trajectory of it going in the right direction and if that's the case the expectations come along with it so longhorn fans right now all that double digit wins and our Big 12 title. Uh, title appearance. I don't even know if some of you say you got to win it. I think if you win double digit games and a title appearance, that's a lot of improvement for Texas. It is, but I mean, I, I think for this, and I mean, this is what I'll say of <laughs> early season, before we even get to Big 12, no moral victories. Is that Alabama last year was that moral victory, and I was fine with it last year. That one this year is you either win or you lose it. And this is a team that needs to have the mindset of, no, no, we can beat Alabama. We need to go in and beat Alabama. And, and that, that change of last year's team, seeing kind of where your, your peaks were in your, your valleys, that this is a team that you have to go into the season going, no, 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 okay, we don't go in as the underdog anymore. We don't go in as that. We don't go in as a team that underperformed a year ago. We don't – none of that. We are now a team that is playing for a national championship. Now – our reality of where we can be and you know what may happen is we're playing for a Big 12 title or bust, and that's where we have to kind of set our goals of expectations. But this is a team that is a no-moral-victories team. You either win or you lose, and there, there is nothing in between anymore where you last year had a little bit more of that moral victory space, and you had a little bit more of that, uh, well, you know, we got away with the win, even though it wasn't a great one. Like, no, no, you need, a, you need to up the style of play, and if you want to have that mentality of what – Sark has been saying that this is the year you you have to start taking that mentality of a of a championship pedigree, and that's what he's trying to build. 
So that that's where I think it needs to go of the attitude in the first few games of the season, the non-conference schedule this 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 season. I need to see them come out with a attitude of, no, no, this isn't like you don't treat anybody different than us. We're the best. Yeah, they get to play to a standard right now. Yeah. They, they they play to a competition, which is great when they play Bama, but it's bad when they play Oklahoma State. And yep. Oklahoma State is on a downward spiral, and you play to their competition. Yep. Sab happened against Tech as well. So I think they got to get to the point this year where they're playing to a certain standard. And, yeah, that should mean that you're in fewer fourth-quarter games. You're in fewer one-score games because you're playing to a standard, and that standard is really high, and you get able to win in you know commanding fashion. That's part of it, too. That'll alleviate a lot of the concerns about Sark in one-score games. Um, Sark in fourth, his fourth-quarter woes. You won't worry about that if the game isn't that close in the fourth quarter or it doesn't come down to that one score. Um, let's get to the second piece of audio here. This is a good question, though, because – I believe the question is basically what is standing getting back to the conversation that Badger and I are just having, what's standing in the way of Texas football reaching the mountaintop again and becoming a championship football program? Um, you know, I, I, the, the biggest thing that's standing in the way is one, we haven't done it yet, right? And so we have to go earn it. You have to go do it. And and then you have to do it with a level of consistency. And I think that that's something when we really evaluated last season. And as we were getting ready for this training camp, one of the one of the key messages to the team is going to be about there's a level of consistency that's needed to be a champion. And the way you work day in and day out, the way you perform week in and week out, um, that that's that's critical to success. And that's something that that we got better at. We were not perfect a year ago. Uh, we, we, we can't afford those lulls of where we can play really good offensive football and then struggle for you know three drives in a row where we just don't operate the way that I know we're capable of operating. So those are some of the things that we need to work on at training camp and, and, and really you know understand the value of practice, understand the value of preparation, and then the value of execution and how we get to that point. Um, and so what stands in the way is, is us. You know, I mean that, that, and, and until, we, until we prove that, that's, that's what's in the way. But I, I think that we've got a great mindset going into it, um, ready to work on those things to put ourselves in the best position that we can heading into the fall. Yeah. He, I mean, I love what he said, though, that basically we are standing in our way. <laughs> uh, that's the only uh, issue that Texas has right now is uh, they got to get out of their own way. And that is true. It happened last season with Texas. Um, and I think a lot of it, that, I think and Sark's also talking about himself there. There's a man in the mirror comment, too. When he says we, I think he means me. Yeah. <laughs> I've gotten in my own damn way, which he, he has. He's, he's, he, he should be at the, you know, he should be farther along in his career considering the talent that he has. Um, and I think for this team, Texas, considering the talent that Texas accumulates and the resources that Texas has, you know, Texas should be a better football program. We all agree with that. That part of the hatred for Texas around the country is that people believe Texas has the sports, you know, sports version of affluenza. Whole lot of money, whole <laughs> lot of resources, and a whole lot of underachieving. Yeah. And it's like, man, well, keep bra- quit bragging about your money and your resources if you can't get the wins. What's the point in having all that if it doesn't equate to wins? And I think for Texas this year, that I love that comment by Sark. We're in our own way. It's like, like that old quote from... Uh, what Obama said, we are who we've been waiting for. 
<laughs> yeah. It's sort of a, a mind, you know, thing there. But, it, yeah, I mean, he's right about that. Texas has been in the, standing in their own way, even though a lot of the schools have become, you know, I always said I love the great quote from the Lost Dodds where he said, uh, you know, we, we don't keep up with the Joneses. We are the Joneses. And my counter for that the last 10 years has been, well, the Johnsons caught up with the Joneses. <laughs> the Oklahoma States and your K States <laughs> and you're at TCU somehow. And for Texas, they do need to start playing to a, a higher standard, but ultimately get out of your own way. Go. I mean, get out of your own way. Stop beating yourself at times. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. I mean, it's the, what, what's the obstacle? Well, uh, we're better. We're more talented. We should be ready to go. And uh, at the end of the day, when the going gets tough, we don't get going. And that's where you're just going to have to figure that out going forward. Uh, he says later in this press conference something to the effect of what he needs to start working on himself personally. So it, it is. We're still in that. It's all talk until we see it on the field. Uh, I, I like the talk, but it is all talk until we see it on the field. I love the talk. Like I said, you're right, though. <laughs> uh, but I, I, there's no doubt last year we saw a ton of improvement. That's why that's, true. The, that's why the expectations are so high because there was a ton of improvement from year one, right, in the five and seven for Sark and all of the oh, disastrous, uh, disappointing losses where Texas had a double-digit lead and then collapsed in on itself like a dying star. <laughs> and end up losing those leads, and obviously the the worst, and I think the record breaking, the worst. I think it's the the, I believe it is the uh, worst comeback, or at least the most points that Texas has allowed a comeback uh, in football is that t- Oklahoma game to come back and win. Yeah, so it is technically kind of the biggest meltdown they've had in Texas football history. But aside from that. I do think for for Texas this season, we need to see one more step, and the the next step will be because you didn't get those last year, right? You didn't have the meltdowns where you had double digit leads and then you would collapse and in on yourself, and you would lose those leads and just have a disastrous fourth quarter. What happened last season was you had a lot of one score games and couldn't win enough of those. You were two and five in one score games, and in the fourth quarter. You lost a lot of games in the fourth quarter. Texas was outscored uh, in the fourth quarter by 12 points, but they outscored their opponents by 179 points in quarters one through three. And you lost five games, and you failed to outscore your opponent, or you were outscored by your opponent in the fourth quarter in four of those five losses. There you go. That's the next step. That's it. The next step will be? It's going to be a fourth quarter game, or you blow them out like you said so bad. Well, we don't. It doesn't even matter. The fourth quarter doesn't even matter. It's not even relevant because you have such a big lead. Or in the fourth quarter, that's where Sark can give his team a schematic, tactical, strategic advantage to put them over the top. And and the better example too is what you want to see is get so far ahead that it doesn't matter, but it still matters. And that these teams are the Rice game where you didn't you didn't punt the ball. You want that for every game. Of all right, we're up. We're up thirty-five in the fourth quarter. We're still going to play hard. We're still. We have depth now that we feel we can put some other guys in, but we still don't want to allow scoring. We still don't want to allow. We still want to be able to move the ball. There isn't a every let off off the gas because as soon as you let up off the gas, 
then all right, well now we can do that next game. And hey man, look, if we just if we just get this lead out early, then we can and once that mindset's in there, it's like, you know, if you're at school and your teacher lets you off, you finish all your work at four thirty instead of five, and then you just go every day you do it. Well, when you have to stay till five, you're gonna you're not gonna be there because you're gonna mm-hmm. go. No, I'm used. To, I have plans at four thirty. Yeah, right. I may play because we always finish early. Mm-hmm. You can't ever have that mindset. You yep. have to go. No, we play four quarters, no matter what. No matter what, we're losing, winning. We play four quarters. Yep. And that that's the difference mindset of, you know, feeling we, like that's what I'm saying with the normal moral victories. If you're up by fifty on Rice, you need to play like you need to be winning by seventy. Well, they need to take them out and then let the other guys get reps so they can play hard. Exactly. If you're up by that much on Rice, yeah. that's the beauty of it. The guy but, he comes in behind you, he'll give 100%, and maybe you can't because you already are distracted at that point. No, and it's and it's, but that also goes to coaching and on the sideline. Like, hey, man, we ain't celebrating like that right now. We ain't won. Go out there, coaches, that's fighting it. for the win. All of it to be, and I get there is lines of this and things happen. I agree, but, you're, but yeah. you want to have the mindset of a Nick Saban, who is a championship coach, of he's pissed off at an, a false start on a second and three while they're up 65 points because he's like, no, we have perfection the whole game. Well, because he understands that, well, he calls yes. it rat poison. Yes, <laughs> What exactly. that can do for the culture if, oh, yeah, we, we, we relax and we like to exhale and, and celebrate prematurely even though the game's not over. Yeah. That can end up hurting your team and it be a, can be a mindset that you don't want to sink in with a lot of guys like, no, no, no. We play until the fourth quarter is done. That's it. Like, until the fourth quarter is done, we give 110%. And I think for Texas, if you want to look at Sarks and what the, 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 the negative kind of narrative has been for Sarks since he's been at Texas, you're not a fourth quarter team. Yeah. Sarks teams at Texas aren't fourth quarter teams because in the first year, blown leads. That was the big narrative, right? They'd blow a lead. It means they'd have great game plan and preparation. They would get a big lead, and then they would blow that double-digit lead because the game is four quarters and not two and a half. And this past season, no blown lead, so improvement, that's great. But you're being outscored in the fourth quarter, um, and in the quarters one through three, you're outscoring your opponents by a combined 179 points. But in the fourth quarter... You're being outscored, and you're two and five in one-score games. That record should be flipped. Should be five and two in yep. one-score games. And then you're a double-digit win team that's heading to the Big Twelve title. That's the difference. Now, give Sark credit because that was that's a huge improvement from year one. But still, the big narrative about Sark, at least for me, is he hasn't he hasn't cultivated a fourth a four quarter team yet at Texas. They're not a four quarter team. They don't play four quarters. They're playing more quarters than they did in year 1. <laughs> but four quarters, if they played four quarters, they'd be a double digit win team. Down to the wire. Yeah. But they relax a little bit. That's a relax. There's a yeah. something that they lose focus. They relax, no, they lose focus. And you see it in games like Oklahoma State where you walk in <laughs> saying we're a better team, we're playing better than them, they're playing poorly, we're going to go in there and we'll take care of business and then when you don't take care of business, you don't have that extra hit in your brain mm-hmm. to save four quarters. You you just you wrote them off before you even got into that game and I know you said, "Oh no, we'll play to the standard." But your standard was three quarters. And your three standards was three quarters and a win. But when you need the fourth quarter, it's not there because that's not your standard anymore. Yeah, agreed. The fourth quarter, that's that's what's troubling right now for this team. And 
and maybe they blow teams out. Don't have to worry about the fourth quarter. But something tells me three or four games this year are going to come down to, just like they did last year, that fourth quarter. And that's when Sark and his leadership on that team, the, the playmakers on that team, they have to step up and put the team on their back and go make plays in crucial, critical moments. Yeah. And, and let's be clear. If you want to get, if you get to where you want to get, the fourth quarter will matter. There will be times yes. if you get to where you want to get, yeah. the fourth quarter will matter. So even if you're blowing out some teams, there's going to be games where you don't, whether it's an injury, whether it's a weather, or whether it's whatever it could be, you will have games like that. No, TCU is a primary example. Yeah. Look how many games last year the TCU had to win in the final moments of the game. Yeah. I can remember like three off the top of my head right now. Like they had to go win the yeah. game in the final moments of the game. That means you got to play all four. How many games did Texas lose last year in final moments of the game? Yeah. Texas Tech. Alabama. Alabama. Exactly. Like it's that, it's, that's, that, that's that crucial, critical moment. And, but even if you get and you go, you get to the college football playoff, you get to where you want to go, you do really think you're blowing out these college football playoff teams? You're just going to walk through the college football playoffs? No. So even if you were able to walk through the Big 12 and you say you're going to the SEC, you better be ready. Oh, you better. None, but it's a fourth quarter league. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's to me, I, that's, that's the, that to me is the last hurdle for Sark. I, I believe if they can, like I said, become a four-quarter team and play like they do. And by the way, play and coach. Play and coach. Mm-hmm. Play and coach. All right, all four quarters. Because I'm getting on the players that they don't play all four quarters. But I can tell you, sometimes Coach Sark coaches like three quarters, and then Coach Steven comes out there and trots out there. Sometimes Coach Steven starts the game, like with the, the TCU game, where, oh, what did Bijan have? 12 touches? 12 rushes? 12 wow. rushes, zero targets. That was in the game plan. The game plan. Don't give me, oh, they knew the plays. Also a you problem, but they knew the plays. Still, Bijan deserves more than 12 touches and zero targets? No. That's play, no, that's play calling malpractice. Y'all know it is. That's a, that's a dang coaching mistake. You can't blame that on somebody knowing the plays. That you gave your, the best player on either team the ball 12 times and didn't throw it to him once? No. So that was Coach Steven. Not Coach Sark. Coach Sark, we love. Coach Sark's a badass. Coach Steven, that's that guy you saw yelling at that, that, he, that, you know, that broadcast dude at the bowl game. That's Coach Steven. We don't like that guy. Get rid of him. More Sark, less Steven. I think that's what's going to be. As a matter of fact, this year, I, I don't think you're going to see Steven at all. I'm going to say you're not going to see him at all. That's what I'm going to predict no Coach Steven this year, and that's why Texas is going to the Big 12 title game. And you'll see plenty of Quinn Wick. Out there. There you go. All right, we come back. We'll talk NFL. NFL news, notes, and nuggets on the other side. Uh, we'll also get into more trash talk between Sean Payton and members of the JETS Jets, Jets, Jets. Somebody wants an apology. And I don't know if they're going to get it. We'll talk about it right here on Baltimore Line, 1049 the Yeah, he's holding her in his arms, 
out right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a top of the charts Tuesday, the last top of the charts Tuesday, right here on Ball Don't Lie. Also, the last Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. And the horn will no longer be on 104.9. But the horn continues, ending one chapter, but beginning another chapter. Uh, and we'll start that chapter actually officially, officially, August 7th, Monday. Uh, my man Aaron Hogan and myself doing a morning show, 6 to 11 a.m. You'll be able to catch it on uh, Terrestrial Radio, 101.9 a.m. 1260. But, of course, wherever you stream the horn, on the horn app or hornfm.com, you'll still be able to stream the horn. Just stream it. There you go. That's the best way to do it. Or just download the Horn app right now, and then you can become one of those streamers. Also, my man Patrick Davis getting an afternoon show called The Sports Complex from 5 to 7. Oh, it's going to be a wild ride. Uh, he's already got the name for the show, and he's going to work on uh, you know, ironing out some of the details this week. So yes. we'll have two live local shows for you. Um, but, of course, we're saying goodbye to a lot of our really good friends, some damn good people, and some uh, damn fine professionals as well. Um, so and I know those guys are going to lay on their feet. But, of course, it is still sad saying bye to the shows and saying bye to those guys. But starting a new chapter on the horn, and we appreciate you guys' support. Hope you will join us. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be really fun, especially football season. Come on, gotta be. Speaking of football season, um, so we we've reviewed and talked about ad nauseum the comment Sean Payton made about Nathaniel Hackett, calling it his time with the Denver Broncos one of the worst coaching jobs in NFL history. Also calling out Nathaniel Hackett by name. He named he named names, which is not something you're supposed to do when you're criticizing somebody publicly. You're not supposed to name the names. Sean Payton did. He named names. He also called out the Jets. Remember, he called out the Jets saying that they basically predicting they were going to be a failure of a franchise this year, even with Aaron Rodgers, because they're on hard knocks. He said, basically, you know, trying to win the offseason, which is what the Denver Broncos did the year they had Nathaniel Hackett as their head coach, that, that usually leads to disastrous results. Uh, they Peter King asked Mike Tomlin about this because in the coaching brotherhood, you're not supposed to publicly criticize other coaches. It ha- Once you become a member of the media, that's when usually you know they break that, they violate that code. But if you're a coach coaching, the rule is you're not supposed to, unofficial rule, you're not supposed to criticize another coach publicly. It is kind of stupid. I don't know why that's a rule. I think the rule is because I may see, I may see you going up on my way down, or I may see, right? Or I may see you on your way down while I'm going up either way. I might need a job one day. You might need a job, so let's take care of each other. Boom. You know what I mean? You never know when you might be on the other end of that criticism. So yeah. it, hey, we'll watch out for each hey, other. Hey, we just talked about radio. You have some arranged marriages that happen. That happens in coaching, too. Yeah, great point. Great so point. you may end up on the same staff with somebody <laughs> yes. that you're like, oh, no. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. You may so, work at a TV network, and all of a sudden the guy you talk trash about is sitting across the desk from you. Small world, man. Yeah, you never know in these word circles where you may end up with somebody. That and ain't nothing but the truth, uh, and that's almost in uh, any industry, especially. Yeah, uh, but especially when it comes to football. Okay, but he, how about this? So they asked Mike Tomlin about this. Peter King did. He asked Mike Tomlin about the dis, the s- dispute going on, uh, the, the beef going on between Nathaniel Hackett and Sean Payton. And by the way, Robert Sala responded, took the high road. And Aaron Rodgers responded and said, keep my coach's name out of your mouth. Yeah, this is real. This is why I love this. This is the WWEification, NBAification of the NFL. And it is fantastic. I mean, when would some quarterback tell a head coach in the NFL that he's going to play? All right, in week five, go on the road and play and saying, keep my coach's name out of your mouth. Oh, it's so good. So juicy. Even Mike Tomlin 
was in a Mike Tomlin was asked by Peter King what he thought about the beef going on. He said, all I know is that I hope that game between the Broncos and the Jets is on national TV in a time where everybody can watch it because I want to watch that football game. Yeah, these guys have made this game, which was, I don't know, was it secondary, tertiary uh, option that that, that week? Because yeah. we talked about the games. They've got two other big games, two other big matchups that weekend that are going to be nationally televised. Now, i got to tell you, they can't flex schedule this early, but I have to make this appointment viewing. I have to go watch this game. Can you imagine the the touchdown celebrations in this game? It's going to be wild. And Denver's defense is good. Denver's defense oh, is good. Can you imagine oh. Aaron Rodgers every time a good play happens just staring down the sideline? Exactly. <laughs> doing this where they uh, the discount double check. Doing a little thing, discount double check celebration right in front of Sean Payton. Oh, this is too good. This is too good, guys. I'm loving it. And, oh, by the way, so Nathaniel Hackett, uh, reportedly, uh, there, there's this, there's some talk that he may want an apology because Pay- Sean Payton said he was going to apologize publicly, but hasn't done so. So um, there's talk that oh he hasn't apologized. That also is going to upset them because there's a code, all right, uh, the way things are done, and Sean Payton has violated that code. Hey, it's I love the pettiness. The NBA is really petty like this, too. A lot of weird, random trash talk. Coaches going at players. Players going at coaches. This really never happens in the NFL, and I freaking love it. Yeah. It is great. The the apology was Sean Payton said he would apologize. He has not. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I just just want to keep him on point that he told y'all he would apologize, and he has not done it yet. So... Uh, he could find my phone number if he wanted. I'm telling you, Look, the, the my phone number is the same number that I had was it was coach last year. I bet someone there has somebody it. has Nathaniel Hackett, and you can get it. I know hey, Sean Payton can get that number at, really he was easily. The head coach of the team that he that Sean Payton's at. I bet somebody in that staff has the number. Oh. I bet HR's got the number. Oh, uh, yeah, but yeah, the organization has it exactly. Get, and also, if the owner. Because sometimes the owner might make him smooth this over because that's probably what happened when he made when he said the it, yeah. mea culpa. He probably decided his owner was like, hey, man, you might have stepped. You, may, you know you just made this like the number one headline in sports right now. You know you just – right because they're talking about it everywhere. And it became a big story. And then he walked it back and he backpedaled a little bit. And now I don't I don't know if there's any way to take any of this back now. Now he just – and he's, he said, by the way – he meant it. He was like, no, I meant it. I'm not taking the comments back. Yeah, I said what I said. Yeah, he said, but I, he, he, he basically admitted that he was more in analyst mindset and not in coach mindset. So he kind of, yeah. he did apologize for breaking the code, basically. So I can't wait, though. This is, this is great. It really is. You don't get better than this. The NFL's got to love this. And now week five, I got to go find somewhere to watch the Denver Broncos hosting the Jets. Yeah. I don't know. They may have made it the, the game of the week, that 3 p.m. game. So there's only four games happening right there. They need to. They may have that they may that may make that pushed into the three o'clock game of the week. <laughs> Texas says bounty gate celebration. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. I don't know how I don't even know how you would kind of artistically play that out, but I love it. I don't know how you'd play that. That's fantastic. That's what I'm talking about. Oh man, the the NFL is getting petty like the NBA. And I think it's a really, really good thing. I mean, I'm telling you guys, trash talk like this, trash talk, smack talk, it really does help, like, ratings for athletic events and for different sports because we know this from that women's national title game, that that college women, that women's college national title game. We know this because they did crazy ratings. 
Remember they had like 9.9 million viewers all because these these women were talking trash to one another. Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese and uh, what's her name? Van Lythe or whatever it was. Yeah, they were, Van Lythe. Yeah, they were balling, but while they were balling, they were just talking trash, stunting and taunting each other. And I know there's a lot of people who are fans of sportsmanship, but y'all loved it. 9.9 million viewers. It got more viewers the audience exceeded every game of last of last year's NBA Finals or that previous year's NBA Finals, not this past year. So this is an older stat, um, except for the NBA Finals and every game of last year's Major League Baseball postseason, except for the World Series. Every NASCAR race since 2017, it was crazy. I mean, it it, it exceeded like LSU Bama. More people watched that game than Ohio State Penn State. Unbelievable, and it was all because basically ladies were promoting the, they were promoting the matchups. And that's why boxing and, you know, MMA, they're just promoting the matchup before. Eh, have, them, have them face off, you know, toe-to-toe. Let's see if somebody pushes somebody, throws a punch, a lot of trash talk. We can put that out there. More people get pumped up for the fight. I don't know why sports doesn't do it more often. I know they, you know, they want to make sure sportsmanship is up there, but this game now has become one of the top five must-watch games of the early NFL season. And you got to watch it now. Yeah. It's, nobody, nobody in sports usually wants to be the bad guy. That's usually true. people want to be the Good hero. Point. Good point. But in this one, Sean Payton opened himself up. He did. He goes, I'll be the bad guy. I'm going to come out there and say what I think. And I know that a lot of you think it too. So when I say it, you're going to be like, ooh, you shouldn't have said that. But we all know. But it's true. <laughs> and so he sets himself up as a perfect bad guy. So if you want to root for the bad guy, you can. Or if you want to root against the bad guy, you can. <sighs> But you need a bad guy in these, and that's why a lot of these sports kind of, like, no one wants to go out there and be like, I'll just be hated. And the guys who do are like Dylan Brooks, and they're not good enough to know. It's like, no, you have to win first. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right about that. It's true. Because he, yeah, it's a good point. Because he tried to set up that narrative as well, and it's like, nah, Dylan, you're not good enough. you got to be good, too. Yeah. I have a villain no. that's good helps. Yeah. He wasn't good. You can't you can't <laughs> set the bar at until he scores 40 points on me. Yeah, exactly. That's What's not 40? the bar. Agreed. So, yeah, man, you got it. You're right. It's a great point, Patrick. You got a villain. Villains create conflict. Conflict creates storylines. That's the key. Like, that's – and that, that plays out almost in any, you know, realm of storytelling. Find a villain, and a villain will create the con- – reality TV, that is literally the blueprint. They find a villain out of all the groups. The villain creates the conflict. Conflict creates storyline. You know how you can tell the person that's going to last at least – um, most of the reality show, if it's a competitive reality show, even if it's a dating reality show, the villain. Who's causing the most conflict on the show? That person will stick around. Because they are the ones that are creating the plots. It's like, no, I'll keep them around because they're creating great plots for everybody. They're making our job easy. Just creating conflict all over the place. And you need conflict because conflict is storylines. Tons of them. And the one nobody's talking about, the, great, the best storyline that I'm looking for is a football theorist. Because I know that Sean Payton is living somewhat rent-free in uh, Aaron Rodgers' head. Remember, the last time Aaron Rodgers faced a Sean Payton coach team, his passer rating, 36.8. His QBR, 13.4. Two interceptions, zero touchdowns. Just saying. <laughs> Sean, Payton, Sean Payton ain't scared of Aaron Rodgers. Especially this Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. With that defense he got, he ain't scared of Aaron Rodgers. So let's see. Let's see. Oh, I cannot wait. Get your popcorn ready.
It's going to be great. I uh, cannot wait for the NFL season to get started. Um, all right. We'll come back. We'll get into a little off the record on the other side. We also got some NFL training camp nuggets to hit, so we'll do that coming up at the top of the 5 o'clock. Get back to some Sark Sound and Rod's Rant of the Day. That'll be at 5.30. So we got uh, training camp nuggets from the Cowboys at the top of the hour. Uh, then we'll dive into some other NFL nuggets, and we'll do, as I said, the um, – rest of the Sark sound, as much as we can get to in Rod's round the day. Bijan also turning heads at training camp. No surprise to anybody. Uh, we'll talk about Bijan as well. All of that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful Nine Horn. D.D. Megadoodoo. I'm sorry. Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get Dave Ray Van Cole. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in the sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live! I can I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Time to get into a little off-the-record. There are a couple of uh, off-the-record topics that I want to hit here. Uh, The first is an NFL announcement, and it went under the radar, but it shows you the NFL is brilliant about this. So the NFL is going to have an alternate broadcast of the Super Bowl. Um, They're going to televise it on Nickelodeon. Uh, and they're going to offer, it's the first time they're offering an alternate broadcast on Nickelodeon for the kiddos for the Super Bowl. Uh, they have enough, they've had NFL games yeah. focused on children in recent years, so they've been building up to this. But now, of course, the biggest football game in the country, the Super Bowl, and an American kind of institution at this point. Uh, and it is now going to be available in a kid-friendly form on Nickelodeon. So there you go. Uh, by the way, this is brilliant by the NFL. I've been saying it for a while. The NFL, they're big into, remember the candy cigarettes back in the day? The little, little candy I don't think they sell them anymore because, of course, they don't sell candy cigarettes. And we would, as kids, we would walk around, before we ate the candy cigarettes, we would fake smoke candy cigarettes. Yeah, we, no, we would pack the candy cigarettes, yeah, first yeah, of yeah, all. Yeah. <laughs> you would. Yeah, you would candy. pack the candy cigarettes. Like, and then, it's like Grandpa did. Yeah. yeah. You're like, this is what cool people do. I'm going to do this. <laughs> Just try, you fake light it and fake everything. Light, light yeah. around. We would, we would really, we would mimic smokers because we all knew the behavior. Just and we tell knew. stories while holding this. <laughs> yeah. Try and talk with it hanging out of your mouth. All that cigarette things you all do. All that. All right. And the. And obviously that is terrible and horrible <laughs> because it worked. It was that's why they remember cigarette companies were diabolical. They would have like the cartoon camel and stuff. They'd have like these really, uh, they'd have these figures that could actually appeal to kids. They weren't. Well, I don't know if they were specifically designed to, but uh, that's really kind of shady stuff. Um, trying to build up right the the next uh, market uh, for their product. The NFL is doing the same thing. This is their version of candy cigarettes. They know moms around the country don't like the idea of their son playing tackle football, especially at an early age. And watching DeMar Hamlin out there and watching Tua is not helping their cause. So the NFL needs the fam, not only the families, but the moms and the kids. They need them to start falling in love with tackle football a little bit earlier before Basically, kind of before mom can put the kibosh on it and disallow it in the household. Well, and I, I would tell you, they need to fall in love with watching football 
because watching football will make you want to play tackle football. Exactly, it does. Yes, because does. if you if you just yeah. if you just fall in love with the game of football, then I'm sure you can be taught flag football and be like, oh no, this is fun. This is a mm-hmm. fun thing to do. But if I watch the game, I want to do what they're doing. Yep, and that means I want to play tackle football, which is why you come home and you'd be scraped up and beat up, and you'd be like, I was playing football. Yeah, and it was nothing. Like I played tackle football on concrete before, because that's how dumb people can be. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. On oh, concrete, because that's it, was, crazy. it was one of those things. You had a, a gentleman's we, enough agreement that you were like, "Don't tackle hard," mm-hmm. but it was like it was still like you had to be stopped and taken y- down. Y- and our rules were: you can't. You, we played on the street too, but in the grass. We yes. you, you could run in the grass. The grass. Yeah, the you just area, didn't always make it to the on grass the, on the street. Yeah. No, the street was not touched. She was touched. Oh, cement <laughs> touch grass. You can tackle. So you want to get tackled? I just run to the grass every day. I'm tough because I was like, y'all can't tackle me. Uh, so you're right. Actually, I had a. Oh, I remember I once ran into a parked car running for a deep ball. I, I knocked myself out. Yeah, I yeah. woke up with my friends carrying me <laughs> to my house. I swear. I, I remember waking up with Curtis and Alex. They were carrying me to my house. Like, literally, I've been, yeah. been carried by, like, four guys carrying me to my house. And I knocked myself out. I ran. I was, man, it was going to be a beautiful deep ball. To create. I had great hands before I came to Texas. And it was literally, I had, it was on the tip of my fingers and that's when I felt the truck, and it felt like I got hit by a moving truck. It was just me yeah. hitting a parked truck, and I don't. I'm. Bl- I should have blamed the quarterback. I don't know why I didn't blame the quarterback. Yeah, you threw it into a truck. You threw it into a truck. You know what I mean? Come on, that's not right. But you know, I do remember that. Well, no, I don't. But I remember being carried. <laughs> I, I remember. I remember the, the quarterback made a errant throw, and I was so good, I almost got it. I almost got it, man. I'm saying I was. I was. I was going to reach out for it anyway. Uh, but getting back to it, yeah, that's why. Think about the Pro Bowl now. That's why the NFL doesn't mind the Pro Bowl has changed. Because what does the Pro Bowl change to? Kids' games. They're playing dodgeball. Yeah. You know, they're playing kickball. They're playing, you know what I mean? They're playing, they're playing games you would play at field day at your elementary school. And then the kids will watch that and go, oh, that's cool. That's some of my favorite football players. They're playing the same games that I play. And they also play fantasy football. And they play Madden with these guys. And now they can even watch them on Nickelodeon. So the NFL is very strategic with these candy cigarettes, basically. If somebody says, Rod, you still can get candy cigarettes. And yes, I know I had no hints. Someone says, if you can't dodge it, ram it. Well done. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. You can still get candy cigarettes? Really? That's wild. You know, I, I met there's somebody who's anti-woke who's making candy cigarettes still. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, but I guess, yeah, how can you, you know, you just can't outlaw candy cigarettes. They're just, they're just basically the, one, they just basically the, the, the stick of. Just you know sugar, the, right? Yeah, but you know the fun dip stick? Like the liquor stick from the fun dip? Yeah, but That's I think ba- it was better. Ba- no, cause isn't it, the, it basically what it was except in cigarette form? I think but it, I think it tasted better than that. Did it taste better than that? I think it, ta- I think it was okay. more sugary than that because that one was just, like there was no real flavor on that one. I feel like it, again, I haven't had one in a very long time. Uh, a liquor stick from a fun dip? Oh, I, neither that. I've probably had that more recently than a candy cigarette. Uh, yes, definitely. I, don't, I haven't had a candy cigarette. <laughs> Look, I always talk like we haven't. I've had a candy cigarette in forever. It's like, yeah, of course you have it. They're candy cigarettes. I've uh, had a real cigarette much more recently. <laughs> I think I, I used to buy them from the ice cream truck or something like that. I can't think of where I used to buy them from as a I, kid. I feel too. like it was one of those things at the store, which that blows my mind that it was like at the, just like the <laughs> checkout. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, Mom, can you give me a pack of smokes? <laughs> 
I need my candy smokes, mom. We need some candy smokes, and we need a real some Marlboro lights. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that's great. All right, we'll come back. We'll get into uh, some NFL news notes next. We got hit training camp notes for the Cowboys. Uh, we'll also hit some of the other uh, training camp uh, items from the uh, the NFL. And there is movement with the Pac-12 media deal. There is news. We'll talk about what that news is, and we'll get into that as well right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9.